Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that we can be together on this Sunday morning where a lot of people are traveling, Lord. We also pray for our brothers and sisters that's on the road or that is taking the weekend off. Thank you that some of us have opportunity to be here and thank you that others have opportunity to rest, Lord. Be with them and bring them back safely. And this morning, Lord, we just want to lift up high your word. We say we're regarded higher than human opinion. And we regard it higher than our emotions. So tonight, or this morning, Lord, from heaven, impart into us life. Because there's no life on earth for us. We've looked, we've seeked around every corner and every avenue, and there's only a bitter taste. If we want to plug into this world, if we want to find life here, we always think, if we plug into this thing, there's life. And then when we do, we realize there's no life. And then there's the next thing, and we plug into that, and there's no life. But we know that our salvation is sure in Jesus. We worship you. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Um, I I like to think that the things that we know in Scripture, those passages we love and hold dear, if we read them over and over, they should not fade away to us. We should look deeper into them. You know, as the Holy Spirit grant us deeper understanding and wisdom of what it means into our life. So this morning is an account that I think a lot of you would know. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep it simple, but I'm going to trust the Spirit to cut deep into our hearts and to make it very personal this morning. So I'm going to read from John chapter 20. If you want to turn there or look on your phone or look on the screen, that'll be good. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. There's a lot of jokes that preachers make about this passage. I will do the same this morning. The other disciple is John the writer, so just take note of that. So Peter went out with the other disciple, that's the writer, and they, were, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Yes, he just did that. 
And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, because remember he's at the back, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Okay? Come to the tomb, it's empty. They see a lot of linen cloths lying around. They make a few observations and they go back home. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. She did not go home. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. It's amazing what happens if you stay a bit longer <laughs> sometimes. So Mary, she sees the angels. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, he calls her name, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So she realizes it's Jesus after he says Mary. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, so she goes away on a mission, I have seen the Lord. And that he has said these things to her. Okay, so bulky piece of scripture, a little bit like a story. What I want to do this morning is, there's so much in there, and there's a lot that I don't comprehend. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of juice in that piece of scripture, and books and books full of theology. But if this morning I can land on three gospel truths that each one of us can take home, then I will be happy. Three gospel truths this Easter. What does this resurrection account mean for us? It's, it's one thing if it's a story out there, but it needs to hit home into our hearts. Amen? And so only three things, okay? Van des Vakantie, okay? If it was not holiday, we'd have five or six points. Only three, all right, so that you can remember it. Three points. Now, the first one is going to be a little bit technical. So for all the... Technical people, yeah. It's going to sound a little bit like Henny, the first point. And um, 
We're going to start with a head and move to the heart. So the first scripture I'm going to focus on is verse 6. Then Simon Peter came in, so he looked in, now he's entering the tomb, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths. Now, it's it's a very interesting thing that Timothy Keller notes on this verse. He says this word saw. I don't know if anyone has studied this in this way. Maybe you, Henny. The word saw, if we can go to the next slide, used in this verse when Peter comes in and he sees the cloths is not the word in Greek which just indicates you are receiving information through your eye. It's not like, okay, there's a chair, there's a roof, there's some blinds. It's, it's a different word used here. The word used is the word theoreo, which where the word theory comes from. So what he's doing at this moment is he is studying the scene and it is hurting his brain. He does not know what's going on here because he does not see Jesus, but he sees his linen cloths, which is put a, placed around him to protect the body from smelling. All right? So why is he studying this theme at this moment? This is very important for us. I'm going to take a little bit of a detour and then we'll land it. Now, at that time, there was a lot of what we can call messianic fraud. Okay? There was a lot of pranksters or fraudsters out there. There's still a lot of them today as well. Now, what would happen is that men would rise up and they would say, I'm the Messiah. And they would get Jewish people to follow them. All right? They would make claims. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've waited for. And these people would gather a following of people or a sect or a cult that would listen to what these people are saying and even follow them unto death. And one of those people, let me just say this, people who knew the Old Testament, the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, a lot of people would know that Scripture predicts a Messiah to come that would die for sins, all right? So when this fraudster comes and says, I am the Messiah, I will rise for your sins, I will die and I will rise again, he's saying something that is true, but it's not true about himself. Can you see the difficult thing? It is true that a Messiah will come. It is true that someone will die for sins. But now this man says it is him, which is a lie. Are you with me? One of those men is this man you see on the screen, Simon Bar Kochba. Now this guy built a cult of 200,000 Jewish believers or Jewish people. And they were so devoted to this man. He's only one of many fraudsters. Young men that enrolled in his army had to chop off a finger to show loyalty. And they did it. It's amazing the following these people can, they created back then. Today we see the same thing. Now imagine 200,000 men that is so devoted they would chop off a finger to follow you. Now they are a Jewish gang. Who are they revolting against? Roman Empire, always. Can you see how it makes sense that the temple priest could get the Roman leaders to execute Jesus? Because every time when a Jewish man stands up, Rome's got trouble, like with this guy. All right? But here's the thing. All of these men died 
and none of them got up. 200,000 people would follow this man, and then when he died, nothing would happen. Every time, every time when they died, they would be dead. (laughs) And Jesus comes and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The third day I will rise. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, right. (laughs) We've heard that one before. And so here Peter comes into the tomb and he's not there. And the linen lies there and the face cloth lies there. And he is furizing. What is going on there? He's not here. Did someone steal him? But now here's the thing. Who would want to take off the linen when you're robbing the grave? It does not make sense. Why is the, the face cloth folded up neatly? Like someone who got up and made their bed. If it was a grave robber, they would not take off the cloth that makes the body smell decent. If you steal someone out of their house, here's a question. Imagine you're a people thief, okay? You're going to steal your grandma or someone, right? Just imagine it for a moment. Do you want to carry them with clothes or do you want to carry them naked down the road? Come on. It does not make sense that the dead man's linen remains. And it's puzzling Peter. He was not stolen. You see, he got up himself, took off the faith cloth, placed it. And so the first thing I want to say this morning, and there's a lot on this, I'm only touching on it, is that the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus is rational. It really happened. He really rose from the, from the grave. And in some sense, the gospel is rational. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying you will get saved and come to faith by your own mind. But what I'm saying is if Jesus says, I'm going to die, then he's really going to die. And so when they poked him, blood and water came out, which is a sign of medical death. He really died. Everyone in ancient history knows that. If Jesus says, I'm going to rise up from the grave, he will really rise from the grave. Because if he says it, it is true. And it's what's happened. Thomas was one man who didn't believe it, so he said, no way. I know all these fraudsters. Fraudsters, if I can touch him, I will know. And Jesus is kind enough. He goes and presents himself to Thomas and he shows him. Thomas sees, oh, you see, the gospel is also rational. At one stage, Jesus appeared to how many men? More than 500. What the scripture says, next slide. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Because he was really there. It's amazing. So I think a lesson for us before we go on is you're not gullible for being a Christian. Don't let anyone tell you that. Don't let anyone tell you that. You are believing the truth.
Point number one, the gospel is rational. Today, when we celebrate the resurrection, know that it happened. Isn't that amazing? Let's go on. Having said this, we are now at Mary. Now what happens is the, the, the two men, they've gone back home, and Mary is outside of the tomb, and she is weeping, and she spoke to angels, and here Jesus is. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to a woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, let's talk about Mary for a moment before we get to point number two. Mary's devotion to Jesus is unmatched. At this stage, there's no one left. Earlier, there was a bunch of women at the grave. If you take all the Gospels and put them together, the women have left, the men have come, they have left. Mary has left. She is weeping, refusing to leave an empty grave. There is no doubt that this woman loves Jesus. Are you with me? But her devotion to Christ is one thing, but her faith is another. Because she was there when Jesus taught, I'm the resurrection of the life. This body will get up. She heard Jesus said, I will get up. But still, she's looking for a dead body. They've carried him away. Where did you lay him? Her devotion to Christ is there. Her faith is there. And Christ speaks to him, to her, and says, Why are you weeping? What is wrong? Isn't that interesting? And she said, If you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And I just want to say this. When you come to Jesus, even if you've been a Christian for a while, know this. Christ is relationally plugged in to where you are at at that moment. You do not have to ignore the pain in your life when you come to Christ. It's not suddenly just something you have to forget. He stops and he says, why are you weeping? He's relationally plugged in to each and every one of us. He wants to know why there's tears. He wants to understand why we are upset. Because that is what love is. That is the God we serve. And let it be known this morning that the cross speaks a gentle word to your heartbreak. Why are you weeping? And Jesus is inviting each and every one of us to speak with him. This is what I'm feeling, Lord, at this moment. And what she's feeling is wrong. <laughs> okay? But he wants to engage. He goes on, and he says, he turns to her and he says, Mary. He calls her by the name. He calls you by the name. He says, Johan, I know why you're crying. I know your name. I know you. You're not just one of the pack. You're not just one of the 200,000 men that's running after Bar Kokhba with an off finger. No, you're not just a number. I know you by name. And isn't it interesting when he says her name, she sees it's Jesus. The gospel, number two, is relational. 
It's not mechanical. It's a fact he died and he rose. But our gospel is not mechanical. Face to face. Heart to heart. He loves you and wants to plug in. Just something to note there. She's walking around the tomb crying. She walks into Jesus, but she does not recognize him. And it, it just shows, it's not that he looked like a different person. Here's the thing. No human mind, after searching and going on an adventure, will find God. No human being will figure out God. God comes looking for us. And then he, sa- he calls your name. And he says, Werner. He says, Mary. And he opens her eyes. Isn't that amazing? He came down looking for us. Know this morning that not only is the fact, a cold fact that Jesus died and rose, relationally, he's interested in you. Amen? And I think for us as a church that's ever growing and moving, let us not rush past the pain in each other's lives. It's okay to stop. He's about to send Mary on her first mission. He's going to say, go. Go to the disciples. Go tell them. So so there's work to be done, but he stops and he says, why are you weeping? That's a God we serve. And I think we need to stop at times. Especially when people come to faith. Stop. What's going on in your heart? Know this. Relationally, he's plugged into you. Let's walk a road together, a journey of discovery. Amen? We're almost done. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, Now he's sending her. I'm ascending to my Father, your Father, my God, your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced. I just want to read you something about this woman. The very first one who was sent on a mission after Jesus was risen. The very first one. Luke 8 verse 2. Also some woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. This is where she started the journey. Now in, in the Bible, especially if you read Mark, Whenever Jesus or people find someone with demons, they're always lying on the floor. There's always foam coming out of their mouth. These people are not the center point of society, okay? They are the outcasts. They are the lunatics. They run between the tombs naked, all right? They are the crazy people. And it was quite a misogynistic society. Women was not valued. So she's a woman with seven, seven demons, Back then. It's the first person Jesus sends. At one point, a Pharisee said about her, when she came into a room, he said to Jesus, don't let this woman touch you. You don't know how much. She said, I don't know where that Pharisee is at this moment, but Mary's getting commissioned to do the work of a gospel. Number three, The gospel is merciful. 
It's merciful. On the one corner, you've got God, perfect in every way, and you've got us. We're nothing. We've got so much sin in the spirit when we come to God. We are so dirty, and then he uses us. That's mercy. So it doesn't matter where you've walked in your life. It doesn't matter what people have said about you. You need to get over that. Because <laughs> he wants to send you. To go to someone, to go to people, to say, Hey, my life has changed. He lives. I remember when I had the opportunity to connect with a young man that came to God. And he said, There's no way. So there's no way Jesus wants me because you don't know what I have done in my life. That, that, that was his words. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. When we come to Christ, he makes us new. Amen? The gospel is rational. It really happened. He really died and rose. It's relational. Face to face. He knows your name. And it's merciful. He wants to send you away. I just want to read this verse and then I'm going to hand over to Henny to do communion. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, that John the Baptist, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came that you can be free. It is so simple, but let it go deep. He came for your marriage came for your transformation. He came for your family, for your friendships. He came for your future. Every price, every sin that you should pay for, he paid for it completely. Isn't that amazing? That's what this congregation is built on. That Jesus came and did what I could not do. I want to pray for us. Because Lord, I just want to thank you that when you came, you came personally for each and every one of us. And you gave what we could not give, Lord, a perfect sacrifice to the Father. And this morning there's hope for every person here. There's a future. Not because of what they have done, not because they achieve something. On the contrary. None of us have achieved anything. But the merciful gospel lifts us up and sends us out. And thank you, Lord, for healing in those areas of our lives. Thank you for healing in our hearts, Lord. Because in one way or another, we are all weepers. We're all crying deep within our spirits, Lord. And you know. Why are you weeping this morning? Why is your heart broken? He says your name this morning and he says, I know about that. Let me deal with that. Let me take that area of your life and breathe on it. Thank you for that, Jesus. We rely on you and on you alone. Thanks for listening to this message from Shafa Johannesburg. 
May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.